Amen. We thank the Lord that he came to us. He does not wait for us to come to him because we never would if he did not come to us first. Thank you for that wonderful reminder in Psalm. If you have your Bible this morning, please turn to the 90th Psalm. Psalm number 90. Psalm number 90, and we're going to be looking at verse 12, but we're not going to stay there. We're going to be doing sword drill this morning, looking at several different scriptures. I'm going to talk to you about numbering your days. Numbering your days. Someone once said the problem with being retired is that you never know what day it is. You never know what time it is. You never know what you're supposed to be doing. You never know where you're supposed to be. It's a lot like working for the government. I don't know if that's true about retirement, but I've been told it's true about quarantine. Uh, if you've been in quarantine, you know there's a tendency for the days to start mixing together. Uh, it's hard to know which day, what day it is. Um, and I, I know we keep a calendar with birthdays and holidays, and we, we keep our watches to uh, keep an eye on the time, especially during the sermon. We count down until school lets out and vacation arrives or Christmas rolls around again. But really, truly, most of us don't realize the value of time. We live under this illusion, and that illusion is this. Every day is just like the day before. Tomorrow is just like it was today. The next day will be just like it was that day. It's just constant cycle. If I don't get finished with it today, I'll finish it tomorrow. I'll make that phone call next week. I've got plenty of time. Well, make no mistake, that is an illusion. Every day you spend a little more time that you will never get back. Now, one day you will make your last withdrawal from the bank of time. Here at the beginning of a new year, I want to encourage you to consider how to value each day. How to invest your days so that you have no regrets at the end. And we will explore the scripture this morning to help us do this. And we'll begin in Psalm number 90 and verse number 12. Would you please stand with me? honor of our Lord and of his precious holy word. This is the word of our God. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord of all our days, we praise you. We lift you up in our minds and hearts. We thank you for another year of life. We thank you for walking with us every single step of 2020. And we thank you for your promise that you will walk with us every day of 2021. Lord, forgive us the times we have doubted you. When we've let our pain or our problems blind us to your love and your presence. And today we commit ourselves to trust you with all our heart. To lean out on our own understanding and all our ways to acknowledge you. And we believe that you will direct every step of our path. Now, Lord, we ask you to open our minds and hearts 
to hear the voice of your spirit speak through the preaching of your word. So we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This song of praise is by one of the giants of human history, a man named Moses. Moses lives to see a lot more days than you and I probably ever will. The Bible says that he leaves this world at the age of 120. And he's led a very exciting life, a life of many different kinds of days, um, joyful days, sorrowful days, days when he seemed to triumph and days when he failed. But before he spends his last day, he pens this psalm and he says, teach us. Teach us to what? Teach us to number our days. We need to be taught to number our days so that we can have a heart of wisdom. Now, how can you do that? Well, let me suggest three ways to you. Number one, you need to embrace the seasons. You need to embrace the seasons. Down in southeast Georgia, there's not a lot of difference in the weather. Um, it's either hot or cold. And it's either wet or dry. You can't tell what the seasons are by looking outside. Uh, my mom used to have pictures of us in t-shirts and shorts on Christmas Day. Uh, <laughs> then you turn around and your pipes will freeze in April. But there is one group of people that keeps better tabs on the seasons. That, those are the farmers. Uh, they have to be careful because you have to plant, you have to plow, you have to cultivate according to certain times of the year. If you want a harvest and not a disaster, you have to pay attention to the seasons. Well, just as there are seasons in the physical world, there are also seasons in life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, listen to what it says. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill. A time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. As surely as God hangs the sun and the moon and the stars to govern the seasons of the world, he has an appointed time, he has a proper season for every day of your life. And what we need to understand is that's not only good, that's beautiful. Just a few verses down from what I just read to you, it says he has made everything beautiful in its time, in its season. Numbering your days means understanding that God has a plan and a purpose for every season of your life. They are ordained by his hand, and we must embrace them. That doesn't mean we can predict them. Sometimes we try, don't we? 
I know on the calendar there's a date for the first day of spring and the first day of winter and the first day of summer. But we never really know when those seasons will change, do we? We never know, really know what those seasons will bring. And our job is not to control the seasons. It's not to predict the seasons. Our job is to embrace the seasons that God brings to us. Seasons of age and sickness, seasons of living and dying, seasons of laughter and mourning. They come to us not by chance, but from the God who makes all things beautiful in his time. Charles Dudley once warned us that everybody complains about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Why don't they do anything about it? Because you can't. Only God is in charge of the seasons. There's a little bit of verse an anonymous poet has written. Whether the weather be fine or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cold or whether the weather be hot, Whatever the weather, we'll weather the weather, whether we like it or not. The thing about it is, the seasons that God gives you, he wants you to embrace them. Now, that doesn't mean they're always pleasant. It doesn't mean they're always easy. But it does mean what we say is, Lord, this is your hand working in my life. This is your purpose working out in my life. Let me ask you this question. What season are you in now? What season of your life? And I don't just mean your age. I mean emotionally, what season are you in? In your faith, what season are you in? In your joy, what season are you in? Numbering your days means embracing the seasons as gifts of God. Numbering your days also means you need to make the most of every moment. Make the most of every moment. Dennis Waitley writes, time is an equal opportunity employer. Each human being has exactly the same number of hours and minutes every day. Rich people cannot buy more hours. Scientists can't invent more minutes. You cannot save time to spend it on another day. But in spite of the time you've wasted in your past, you still have an entire tomorrow to spend wisely. Bible puts it this way in Ephesians 5. See then that you walk circumspectly. It means carefully. It means thoughtfully. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. It means making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Living carefully, living thoughtfully means you don't just spend your time. You invest your time. And you invest your time by beginning with what's most important. What is the first priority you ought to have for your time? It ought to be your time with God. When Jesus was asked, what are the two great commandments? Or what is the greatest commandment? He gave two. The first one says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That means when it comes to your schedule for how you're going to spend your time, he comes at the top. That means you are making time to pray. You are making time to read the Bible. You are making time to share the gospel. You are making time to gather at church. The problem is, we don't put him there, do we? We like to pray. I really would like to pray, but 
I'm just too busy. I really like to read the Bible, but I've got a lot of other things to do today. Preacher, you can count on me to come to church as long as there's nothing else going on. And yet, where do we expect God to put us in his priorities? We expect us, him to put us first, don't we? It is foolish to let other things keep you from making time for God. And second of all, you need to make time for people. The second of the greatest commandments is you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. One of the things I've learned about buying appliances or vehicles or making major purchases is that they are not made to last. They are made to break down at a certain point. And you think I'm kidding, but it's the truth. They are made to break down at a certain point. You can almost time it. And when they break down, why do they break down at that point? Because you need to go buy another one, right? There are very, very few things that will last forever. But one of them is people. People will live forever, even either in heaven or in hell. They are too important not to take time for. And where do you start? Well, you start with your family. Your spouse needs you to take time with them. Your kids, your grandkids need you to take time for them. They need you to listen, to care, to set aside moments just for them. When my children were very small, I, uh, I was kind of busy. I was pastoring a church and going to college full time. And so uh, I tried to cut corners wherever I could. And so every night I would read them a story. And instead of reading a story to each one of them, I would read a story to all three. Let's get this over with all at once. Kill three birds with one stone. And so I would read them all three a story. And one night the Lord kind of convicted me. He said, Mike, you really need to give them some time just then. And so I'll never forget one of my sons. Whenever I called him into the room by himself, and I said, I'm going to read you a story, buddy. He said, just me, Daddy? Just me? You're going to read just me a story? I didn't realize how much it meant to him. You need to make time for the people that are closest to you. You need to make time for your neighbor. Remember, Jesus told a parable about what we call a good Samaritan. Basically, the, the point of the parable was that your neighbor is whoever needs your help. You know what most of us do? Well, maybe not most of us, many of us. There are three people in that parable that see this man beside the road. Remember, there's a Levite and there's a priest. What do they do when they see the man? They go on the other side. Oh, I'm much too busy to get involved in this. I don't have time to be be trying to help people in this condition. We pass by people all the time that need us. What does a Samaritan do? He shut down his schedule. He said, I'm going to stop and I'm going to be a neighbor to this person. Now, some of you may be saying to yourself, preacher, I would love to have time to do all those things. 
but I am just too busy. Don't raise your hand, but you've said that before, haven't you? I'm just too busy. Can I tell you something? You have put your finger on the problem. You are too busy. You are too busy doing other things. But you don't make time for what's most important. And the devil will make sure you stay busy. He'll fill your schedule and your calendar to overflowing. And at the end, you'll ask yourself, what did I do with my time? What did, what did I do with my days? They're all gone. My relationship with God is about to crumble. My marriage and my family are about to fall apart. My stomach is full of ulcers. My heart is growing cold. God has given you plenty of time to do what he wants you to do. Listen, he has not given you time to do everything you want to do. He has not given you time to do everything everybody else wants you to do. But he has given you more than enough time to do what he wants you to do. That means you must manage your time. Jill Briscoe says, no one has any more time than you have. It is the discipline and stewardship of your time that is important. The management of time is the management of self. Therefore, if you manage time with God, he will manage you. Numbering your days means making the most of each moment, walking circumspectly. Redeeming the time, making time for who and what is most important. And finally, numbering your days means that you live each day as if it were your last. Live each day as if it were your last. There's a question maybe you've asked yourself. Here at the beginning of the year, a lot of people will do some planning. And they'll set some goals and decide what they want to happen and they'll ask themselves, uh, where, where will I be in five years? Where do I want to be in five years? Or you, you may be one of those adventuresome folks that says, well, where, where will I be in 10 years? Where will I be in 20 years? Where will I be in 50 years? And the truth is, none of us knows where we'll be. But one thing I can tell you for absolute certain, you have an expiration date. You only have a limited number of tomorrows. The problem is you don't know how many. So how do you number your days? You live each day as if it could be your last, which means you don't procrastinate. You don't put off what you need to do now. There were some researchers that felt like they had found a cure for procrastination, or at least some advice to help people with it. And this is what they said. Research suggests that if someone thinks of an upcoming deadline in terms of days rather than weeks, months, or years, the goal seems closer and it spurs people to act quicker. In other words, when you realize you don't have forever to do what needs to be done, you do it while you have time. Today were your last day on earth. Would you leave behind some unfinished business? A phone call you need to make. A letter you need to write. 
Forgiveness that you need to offer to someone else. Forgiveness that you need to ask from someone else. Someone you love that you really need to tell how much they mean to you. Those are just a few things that are so easy to put off. But they need to be done. And they need to be done now. But of all those things, there's one that is more important than any other. There's a young law student waiting in the office for a friend of his. And as he's sitting there, the Lord starts to deal with his heart. And uh, he doesn't hear audible voices, but he feels the Lord speaking to his heart. He says, Finney, what are you going to do when you finish your education? Well, put out a shingle. Practice law. Then what? Well, I'll meet a young lady and we'll get married and have children and have a home. Then what? Well, I'll do my best to get rich. Then what? I'll retire. Then what? I'll die. And then what? The judgment. Your life on here will end. You have no idea when. But if you are wise, you will prepare yourself now for your last day. Because your last day will be your last chance. It may be your last chance to get things right with other people. It may be your last chance to get things right with God. There's a famous singer named John Mellencamp. Blew my mind when I found out he was 65 because he was just a young man when I was a young man. And um, he had an interview with someone and uh, he was reflecting on what's left for him in life. And this is what he said, I intend to make my ending good. I'm hoping it will be one of those long, lingering deathbed conversions. A lot of people go, oh, I hope I just die quick. And not me. Not me. I need time to put things right. Now, if you knew when that was going to happen, if you knew when you are going to die, that would be an excellent thing to do. But you and I are like Mr. Mellencamp. We could run out of time. When it comes to that all-important decision, there's no time like the present. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Numbering your days means living each day as if it could be your last, because one day it will be. What are you waiting for? You put it off. Far too long. You've been aiming to do it for years and now it's time to pull the trigger. There's a story, fictional of course, about Satan and his demons planning their strategy for preventing people from getting right with the Lord. One of them speaks up and says, uh, I've got a plan, Master. I'll tell them those, there's no heaven. 
And the devil says, oh, they'll never believe that. The book of truth is full of messages about the hope of heaven. They know there's something after this life. And on the other side of the room, another demon says, well, I've got a better plan. I'll tell them there's no hell. Satan says, that's no good. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. They know in their hearts that their wrong will be punished. Finally, one brave demon spoke up. He says, I know exactly what we'll do. I'm not going to tell them there's no heaven. And I'm not going to tell them there's no hell. I'm going to tell them there's no hurry. You and I have been given a great gift. We have been given another year of life. Another opportunity to embrace the seasons that God brings. We've been given another opportunity to treasure those special moments, to remember them, to make the most of them. You've been given another chance to do what needs to be done. To stop putting it off, to get right with God, to prepare for your last day today. Because you can't afford to waste them. Be wise and number your days. Would you pray with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is God's moment. This is his moment to speak to you. And he is speaking to you. There's nothing that I've said this morning that will make any difference in your life, but there's something he said to you that will. Something that he said to you means I need to do this. I need to change this. I put it off for far too long. But it's a decision you have to make. It's a choice that he leaves up to you. But if you make that choice, you will never regret it.